0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend.
1: And welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. My name is Jasmine Alnutt, and I'm joined by Cheryl Bruderson. And we are here, folks, with, yes, part four (laughs) of the fascinating story and stories within a story of Amy Semple McPherson. And so, Cheryl, when we left off, we were in the middle of the story within the story. So, Catherine Louise Johnson, so she was
0: a. Adopted uh, by Minnie Judy and Oscar Johnson, who had come to know Jesus Mm -hmm. at Angeles Temple when Minnie Judy's daughter, Louise, had taken them there. Then, if you remember, Louise had gone on to Bible college at Life Bible College. Well, Louise graduated from Life Bible College and she was sent as a missionary to Puerto Rico. And she served for about a year, kept a journal of everything that happened and how the Lord used her. Well, after she um, finished her year, she was sent after that to Arizona because she could speak a little bit of Spanish. And that was pretty much a language in Phoenix at that time. Remember, this is like in the 1920s. Yeah. So Louise moves out to Phoenix. And this is how Louise evangelized. She would stand on a street corner, play her cornet. And (laughs) when a crowd gathered, she would begin to preach the gospel. Well, Foursquare began to like support some of the students that had graduated because this is Amy's vision, that these students would graduate and go out and become evangelists and also share the Foursquare gospel with others and maybe even disciple people um, in the Bible Mm -hmm. and be teachers. So this is what Louise Webster wanted to do with her life. So she went out there and she would play her cornet, and (laughs) Foursquare Church sent her a tent. So Louise erected this tent and she would hold these evangelistic meetings and they were packed out. And um, then the next thing you know is Louise said about, now Louise was less than five feet tall. Oh, wow. <laughs> Little <laughs> tiny thing. And she put on a pair of overalls and began to mix adobe bricks. And working with some men who had gotten saved, they built the first four square church of Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. And you can still see that church. Hey. It's still in Phoenix and those adobe bricks are holding firm. And so she built the first four square church. And so then she's ministering in Arizona. At the same time, she finds this property in Williams, Arizona, and Mm. she decides to start a camp for the underprivileged children. So it started mainly for foster care children and for underprivileged children. But yet she invited church children too. Mm-hmm. And she would have evangelistic teachers come in and teach the children all about Jesus. And she arranged a sewing group because she had learned about the sewing clutch because Angela's temple had one. And what they would do is they would take these bolts of fabric and they would make matching shirts for all the boys out of one bolt of fabric. And the girls all got shifts and little uh, pantaloon shorts for under the shifts mm-hmm. for all the girls so that everyone was dressed exactly the same and in the same fabric. So you couldn't tell who was from a foster home and who was from a regular home. Smart. So everybody yeah. was equal yeah. at Camp Friendly Acres. And she bought a whole bunch of roller skates and had a roller rink at Camp Friendly Acres and would minister. She'd have junior high camps and high school camps and college age camps where they would bring apologetic leaders. Well, about this time, Catherine Louise has grown up okay, and she's gotten very secular. And I'll tell you why. She's Mm. absolutely gorgeous. I would have thought that Catherine would have known she was adopted because her mother was five feet and her father was five foot three. And by the time Catherine was 12, she was five foot seven. (laughs) And So Catherine is almost five foot eight. She's got a perfect figure. Absolutely gorgeous with long, dark, raven colored hair with these ocean blue eyes. I mean, she could have been an actress. She was absolutely that beautiful. And so she is. Mm. Though she's very popular in Mm. in high school, very popular in college, and she's been pulled into this social scene. Right. And Louise, on one of her visits, saw that with Catherine, and so she called Minnie Judy and she said, "I want you to send Catherine out." to be with me. Mm. And so Catherine was so excited to get away from Minnie Judy, who had become very oppressive. Right, And so she went out to stay with Louise. And she was deceitfully doing all these things that her parents didn't know about. She was smoking. Mm. She was drinking a little okay. bit, just the full social scene. Right. And she goes out and she's at the camp, Camp Friendly Acres, and she's there supposedly to help Louise. But she hears the gospel again, at a campsite fireside meeting and she gives her life to Jesus and she's kind of like what have I been doing Mm. I don't want to do this so Louise talks her into going back and signing up for Life Bible College Mm. and so she decides to go to Life Bible College now I want to tell another story that will intersect with this story (laughs) This next story is about a woman named Maude Ward. Maude Ward was born in Santa Barbara, and she was also a beauty. She was born in 1902. So this is like an earlier story, right? So she was born. Catherine was born in 1927. Maude was born in 1902. And she was one of five children. And so there were three girls and two boys in this family. And when Maud was just a little girl, her father abandoned the family for gold fever and uh-huh. to strike it rich. Right. And he left them in Santa Barbara. So they all had to work at a young age. And it wasn't easy. Um, their mom had to work and raise them. When Maude was still young, she began to work at a movie studio that was in Santa Barbara. At this movie studio, um, she was a secretary. But William Randolph Hearst noticed her. Oh, and offered to give her a contract as an actress and wow. screen tests and everything. So she took a couple of screen tests, and they wanted to put her in movies. She was that much of a beauty. She was going to go in that direction, but she began to see the lives of the actors and actresses and the directors, and it was just so perverse yeah. that it yeah. it scared her. She wasn't even a Christian, but this lifestyle was too much for her. Her mother mm-hmm. was a Christian, and Maude was nominal, you know. She, yeah. but this was something she just didn't want for her life she just had this thing like i don't think so in the meantime and here's where names will begin to get familiar she met a young man named he was 10 years her senior charles hutchinson smith He was absolutely wild about her, and he came from a wealthy home. Mm. But he pursued Maude until she agreed to marry him, and they got married and moved to Ventura. And Charles Hutchinson Smith, he worked selling refrigerators, some of the first refrigerators. He was a great salesman, very successful at it. Well, they had a little girl named Virginia, and she was a little beauty and just personality plus. But Virginia caught spinal meningitis. And one day when Charles was at work and Maude was at home with the baby, Virginia died in her arms. She watched Virginia take her last breath. And so she went running out of the house because she knew that there was a church down the street and the parsonage right next door. And so she took her little girl in her arms and went running up to the parsonage It happened to be a four-square parsonage, a four-square church, burst through the door and said to the man, my baby's dead. My baby's dead. And the pastor said, you place your little girl right here on this couch, and you get over there on your knees, and you give your life to Jesus Christ, because unless (laughs) you have Jesus, nothing is going to change. And I want you to get your eyes on Jesus and all, all take over for this little girl. And the pastor laid his hands on little Virginia, began to pray. In the meantime, Maud went into the corner of the room and she said, Lord, you know I'm pregnant and I will give you the child in my womb for your service if you'll just give me back my little girl. I will give him and from the time he is young, I'll teach him the Bible, I'll do whatever you want and my whole life will be lived for you. Well, in the meantime, Charles Hutchinson Smith, he came home from work. He came into his house and noticed it was Empty. A neighbor came up and said, "I saw your wife go running out the door with your daughter down to the Foursquare pastor's church. She's <laughs> she's inside his house. So he goes tearing down the street, knowing something terrible's happened. He was kind of excitable anyway. Mm. Burst through the door, and he sees his wife on her on her knees praying, and his little daughter laying flat." Out with the pastor praying and the pastor looks at him and says, get on your knees next to your wife and get your eyes on Jesus Christ and give him your whole life. So Charles Hutchinson Smith kneels next to his wife and gives his entire life and says, Lord, Mm-hmm. I will serve you with my entire life. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do with my whole life. They'll give me the little girl, and the next thing they know, they hear Virginia going, "Hi, what's your name? My name oh. is Jenny," and she's talking and conversing with the pastors. There's no fever. Amazing. There is. Yes. She's full of life. Uh, she's energetic. And she's hungry. (laughs) And they get up and they take their little girl. And after that, they are fully committed to the Foursquare Church of Ventura. They are there every Sunday. They go to all the regional (laughs) conferences at Angeles Temple. And Maude Elizabeth Ward Smith gives birth to a little boy that she names Charles Ward Smith. But he goes by Chuck. (laughs) He goes by Chuck Smith. (laughs) And he's raised— In the First Four Square Church of Ventura, of which his parents are active members, his mother teaches Sunday school. His father is part of the prison and jail ministry, going to the prisons and jails and evangelizing all the prisoners for Jesus Christ. In the meantime, um, as Charles is growing up, remember Kay got saved at that camp in Arizona? Charles is growing up, and he's all set to go to uh, USC. Mm -hmm. He's got a football scholarship, but then he hurts his knee pretty bad, and he's not quite sure what he's going to do. And he's up at a camp, and he's gone to Santa Ana Junior College. So he only has two more years of college left, and the Lord speaks to his heart and he dedicates his life fully to the Lord, Mm. and he chooses to go to Life Bible College for the last two years, and he knows God's calling him to be a pastor and not a doctor. Mm. So he goes to Angeles temple. He graduates, and what does he have to do? What every graduate does. He has to hit the road and hold evangelistic meetings in all these different places. In fact, Mm. he's so funny, he even uh, goes to Detroit, and he gets an appointment with Ford, Oh, wow. And he asked Ford if he wants to donate a car to the evangelistic- Bold move. Yes, (laughs) campaign, and uh, Ford declines. But anyway, I mean, he was (laughs) bold. And, you know, they would just eat whatever people gave them. And I remember my dad, who is- chuck Charles smith, Ward smith talking yes. <laughs> about how there was this one family with all these daughters, and he says they weren't very pretty, but boy did they make a good pie. Oh my god. And the mother kept making them pies because she wanted my father to, you know, oh. marry one of her daughters. And anyway, my dad's devastatingly handsome. Uh, but he he returns to LA after this missionary campaign, and he's at a baseball game watching his brother play baseball, and he's sitting on the stands. And Catherine, who's now at Life Bible College, mm-hmm. uh, she's seen uh Chuck before, and her girlfriend Colleen has a crush on him, and it's like, "Oh, there's Chuck! Let's go sit by him! And so as they come over, my dad's actually seen my mom on the campus before and was Mm. like, wow, what a beauty. And so he stands up and he says, hey, the seat next to me is clean." And so my mom sits next to him, and they don't even know what's going on with the baseball game. They talk the entire time. My mom invites him to dinner with her friends. They all go to Vandy Camps in L.A. Mm. And six weeks later they marry, and they move to prescott arizona to have the first four church of prescott arizona wow but you see how amy has touched my life in so many ways And
1: mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. so i want to go back so. to 1926 which is the I year before that. either my mother or father are born right and in 1926 on march 18th amy um the stress of running Angela's temple Mm. and she would be up till two o'clock. So she would hold these services. She preached 21 times during the week. That's including her radio broadcasts and her illustrated sermons for which she designed the sets. Plus she wrote music. She was a musician. So she wrote all these songs. Hyperactive. Right. (laughs) She really was. And she'd be up till two o'clock. She couldn't sleep. And so she started suffering from insomnia and having these Mm. problems from all of this stress. And so, uh, the doctor said she needed exercise. Mm -hmm. So she loved to swim. So she started going down to Ocean Beach with her secretary and they would sit under this little canopy and she would dictate the bridal call and some of her sermons and stage directions to her stenographer. And then she would go out for a swim. She Mm -hmm. would swim and then she would come back into shore and she would swim to the end of the pier and back at Ocean Beach and then come back in and they would talk some more. And so Amy had just returned from the Holy Land, and she'd taken all these pictures, and she wanted to put in a slideshow and tell everybody about the Holy Land and do some sermons yeah. that were related to the slides, kind of like an illustrated sermon, but this time with slides. And so she and her secretary, they were talking about this. They were coming up with the slides that they would use and the set directions and doing all this. And so finally they got it all settled. So Amy said, okay, go, you know, tell them right away. So she left to call the directors at the temple on what to put together and what the set designs to start getting it together. Because this was going to be that's that next Monday. Amy was going to do all of this. So Amy went out into the ocean to swim to the end of the pier and back. And when she came out, this Couple was standing there and they said, Sister McPherson, our baby is so sick. Please, please, please come and pray for our baby. Well, Amy was used to people coming up and asking for prayer. And this is a sick baby, and her heart just went out. And she said, Let me get my shoes and let me get my cape and let me get my watch. And they said, No, no. And but Amy said, No, please, please. So Amy gets her watch and she gets something else and she goes to the um she goes to the car to see the baby. And the woman throws, says, Oh no, my cape is better. She throws this cape over Amy. Amy, you know, in Amy's swimming costume. And then she pushes Amy into the car and there's a woman in there. And the woman has this black thing and she puts it over Amy's face. And that's the last thing Amy remembers. Oh, out. And Amy wakes up and she's in this room and she's tied to the bed. And she hears these uh, two men and these two women talking about how they're holding her for ransom. And in the meantime, the secretary realizes Amy's gone. She searches the beach for her. They call the police department, the fire department. There were people that searched that beach every day for Amy from Morning to night, looking for Amy. Wow. Many thinks Amy is dead, but she offers a twenty five thousand dollar reward for anybody who has any news hmm. of leading to where Amy can be found. So, if you have a sighting, if you have anything, please let me know. So, there are a couple people who say they have sightings. They check them out, and they're all just like hoaxes. I mean, they are really looking, hmm. and it's not really Amy. So, they keep trying. They keep trying. Finally, six weeks later these people move her into this shack somewhere in the desert. She doesn't even know where it was. It's just at some desert someplace. And they they tie her hands together. So the men leave because they're going to go do something. And this woman is watching her and she says, look, I've got to leave. You stay put here. And she just ties Amy up. And so the woman leaves and Amy sees like a a can with the top removed and the woman oh, has yeah. used fabric and so Amy goes over there and she saws so off. Like a movie yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and she unties herself and she climbs out a window she doesn't even want to try the door in case they're out in the front of the house so she climbs out a window in the back and she just takes off running she's going as fast as she can and they've given her clothes they've given her like a white nightgown and some shoes and she just goes as fast as she can just down one direction down this road just Traveling, hiding, getting—and she walks, runs for 17 miles. Now, they've been feeding her. She's had water. But uh, for 17 hours until she stumbles. She sees this house. It's more like a hacienda, and she stumbles up to it, and it's Robert Gonzalez's house. And she stumbles in, and he sees her and knows she's sick and dehydrated. So he gives her water right away and feeds her. And then, once she's sufficiently recovered, he drives her to Douglas, Arizona, to the hospital. Mm. And they give her fluids and they begin to take care of her. And she has them call her mother and the police right away. And mm. Amy tells her story, and her mother comes out. Well, the next thing you know, all these reporters descend. Oh, yeah. And they've already decided that this is scandalous. And Amy actually was having an affair with her engineer her radio engineer who was a diagnostic he wasn't a christian because he and his wife were getting a divorce but he had two mistresses and he was in carmel california with a dark-haired woman and uh, amy had light hair and dark-skinned woman Hmm. who actually turned out to be his mistress and that's where he was not at all with amy and this was only six weeks so and amy had lost weight and everything well the reporters have a field day with her well in the meantime When Amy was younger, she had campaigned for the police department, the fire department to get more money, and she also... Um, as people would get saved, she'd have these ex-prostitutes give their testimony and talk about their life of mm-hmm, crime, and mm-hmm. these uh, drug addicts and ex-alcoholics, and they would all talk about being set free. Well, Amy made enemies in L.A. First of all, Asa Keys, who was the district attorney, he didn't like Amy. One, he was corrupt. Two, he didn't want L.A. was becoming more known for Los Angeles Temple than for Hollywood. So she was making a wow, lot that's really of something. enemies and people were coming to yeah. Hollywood and all these women who had come to Hollywood to be actresses and were only exploited and used. Amy had given them a home hmm. and had uh, brought them on staff and provided for yeah. them at Angeles Temple. So when they would give their testimonies and talk about the exploitation of Hollywood, these were enemies. So they decided totally. that they were going to destroy and they were paying Asa Keys to, so Asa Keys then indicted Amy and said that she had put on a fraud and fined her for all the expense. And the police department and the fire department were both behind Amy, but these corrupt officials were so against yeah. Amy. So Amy had to go to court, and all the witnesses and everybody who testified against her, they were all proven to be liars and hoaxsters. And many got up and said, look, I offered $25,000, and— They didn't come then. Why are they coming? Now, mm. and that they were all disproven. Amy had these wonderful lawyers who disproved everything. None of that got into the newspapers. Oh, man. Nothing got into the newspapers. What? Oh, clearing she was her? never exonerated. Right? Wow. Never, even though the case was dropped. And two years later, Asa Keys was indicted on charges of fraud and oh gosh, everything possible. My
1: and it ended up
0: going to prison, San Quentin. And guess what? Amy went and visited him there and wow. told him she forgave him. That's amazing. I tried to lead him to Christ. Wow. None it's of like that got always, in the papers because you're in Hollywood and they want a scandal. Yeah, They don't want truth. They want a scandal. Well, Amy began to suffer. She was having a nervous breakdown. Because of that? Was because it? of yeah. everything, yeah. all of that yeah. and you know, just getting over that. So she decided to go to Israel. She and Minnie, because of the stress, began to have a falling out. And she began to get a lot of complaints about Minnie because Minnie was like when the people who worked Hard and worked for free at Los Angeles Temple, wanted to make calls home. Minnie wouldn't allow it. She put in pay phones, and those people had to go use the pay phones. Wow. And even though they were praying and serving and stuff like that, Minnie just did not treat them nicely. Hmm. And so people began to complain. Yeah. And so the complaints got so strong. In the meantime, Amy got this secretary who said, Amy, we've got to up your look. Look, you're in Hollywood. <laughs> it's our right to cut your hair, it's our right to dress stylish. And she became Amy's personal shopper and begin to shop and dress Amy and help Rolf and everything. Well, many really resented how close Amy was to this new secretary Mm. and that Amy had cut her hair. And Minnie said, you're not the same person. You cut your hair because uh, because Minnie was still going by the Salvation Army standards. In the meantime, she wouldn't give. Minnie had put everything, all the assets of Angelus Temple in her name. And Amy owned nothing and neither did the people of Angelus Temple. Everything was owned by Minnie. And Whoa. so then uh, some people on the board at Angela's Temple said we're going to the we're going to the police you know to the authorities if you don't relinquish some of your rights and so they were putting pressure on Amy. Well Amy didn't want to do it but she told her mom look you you have to quit. You you have to stand back from this. Well what followed was different men who tried to exploit Amy and tried to exploit uh, the ministry the and, ministry yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go through this really quickly. Amy ended up feeling so vulnerable and exploited. She ended up marrying again a man named David Hutton, who married her again for her money. Mm -hmm. And two days after they got married, she thought he was a Christian. He sung in the choir two days after they got married a suit, a lawsuit was brought against him from one of the chorus girls that he lived with. And oh, Amy gosh. had no idea of any of this and found out he was a womanizer. Plus he was mean to Amy. He was demanding money all the time. And so they ended up getting a divorce and Amy apologized to Angelus temple. Mm. But about this time, Amy's like, I'm not a money person. I'm not a business person. No. I just want to minister. I just want to preach the gospel. So she rehires Minnie, but at the same time, she's losing. Some much weight she's got insomnia she's she can't sleep all of this Mm, that they send her away and she takes a nine-month sabbatical during the sabbatical she goes to paris and that's kind of where she's recouping and she makes friends with an actor Hmm. very very famous okay charlie chaplin Oh, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie it's Chaplin. It's, I oh, remember. gosh, how do we forget that? I know. it's like Charlie <laughs> Chaplin, that's who. But she ministered to him. He was Jewish. Anyway. Ah. <laughs> um, and so she sought him out at the hotel. And they started taking long walks. And she would just share with him about how hard fame and notoriety was with mm. for her. She loved the ministry. But she didn't like the fame. Yeah. She didn't like the kidnapping. She didn't like all the extra <laughs> attention with it. Yeah. and all the, the exploitation. And so they would have these long, long talks together. And he ended up coming to Angela's temple after that just to help her with some of the plays and sets that she would do for the illustrated sermons, Mm. you know. When she came back and began to take the ministry back, it was still plagued by financial problems. She never owned anything. In fact, when she died, her estate was valued at Mm. $10,000. There's a house in Elsinore that's called Amy's Castle. She actually never owned that house. A man built it for her because he saw that she needed a break. And so he built her this house and invited her to come and stay there. And it had a pool whenever she needed to recoup and, um, you know, just kind of get her bearings back. Amy still, she begins to take back the ministry. And she begins just to concentrate on just ministering. And she puts Rolf, her son, McPherson, in charge of Angelus temple. And he's got the grace... And the accounting skills. He's not an orator. He's not a mm-hmm. he's not a pastor, but he's got the skills to run Angela's Temple and keep it in the black. And mm. he cares about the people. So he has um many financial skills. Great. But he's got Amy's heart. Hmm, he's and you perfect. know, his father was an accountant. So he's able to combine those. And so he's. Running Angela's temple, and Amy begins to lean into her son, who's married by this time. Mm. And in the meantime, her mother's upset with her. and her mother had a nose job. but Amy couldn't do any of those things. couldn't even dress in up-to- date clothes. Minnie could, but mm. not Amy because she's in front of people. That was the hard part. Minnie had one list of rules for herself and another for
1: Amy, yeah,
0: and that Legalism was and, that was yeah. really hard for Amy. So anyway, Amy is in Oakland, California. And this is 1944. And she's worked really hard for the World War II effort. And she refused to get involved politically. But she sent encouraging notes and supplies to all the troops. She sold war bonds. And she's just so behind the United States. Well, she's in the meantime, she's in so much pain. And she has to take sleeping pills because of the insomnia and because just the exhaustion, the sheer exhaustion of her life. And so... She tries to call the doctor that night, but the doctor was unreachable, and they've got that call on record. She's She had just done an evangelistic meeting in Oakland that was packed out, very successful. She had gone back to her hotel room. Uh, Roth's room was next door. And so she tried to call the doctor. She wasn't feeling good. She was apparently mm-hmm. having some kind of pain. And she ended up taking a second dose of her sleeping pills, mm. And she died that night mm. from an overdose mm. of sleeping pills yeah. and went to be with the Lord. and then Rolf ended up taking over the ministry. Mm. But you know, I want to say this, as I was studying, mm. is she's not what the media portrayed her to be. Mm. You know, I know my aunt Louise, who is yes. my mom's adopted sister, absolutely loved Sister McPherson. Mm. In fact, she bought one of the shoes that Sister McPherson walked in for 17 hours. That was her <laughs> prized possession. But my mom loved Sister McPherson. My father uh, just said she was genuine and mm. she loved Jesus. He didn't you know, care for some of her more flamboyant methods, right. but he believed in the genuineness of her faith, as mm. did my mother and a grandfather. And. To this day, there's over a thousand four square churches that are still continuing in the Mm. four square gospel and being effective for Jesus Christ. Mm. And you know, Amy Simple McPherson has had an effect on. This church yeah. too, yeah, indirectly, yes, and directly, absolutely, and that's why Amy Simple McPherson is a woman you should know.
1: I think so. She's mm-hmm. definitely she's worth a woman knowing. worth knowing. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Wow, what a story, and what a bunch of stories within the story. I mean, hopefully, uh, you guys all enjoyed that as much as I did, and. We get bonus. We get Kay Smith's story. We get Evangeline Booth. We got all kinds of stuff along with the remarkable Amy Semple McPherson. So thank you so much for listening to this four-part series. And we look forward to bringing you another Woman Worth Knowing again right. uh, soon. So if you want to get in touch with us and tell us about a woman you think we should know about, please contact us. Uh, you can email us at WWK at CCCM.com. That stands for Women Worth Knowing, in case you're wondering. So thank you for joining us, and farewell for now from Jasmine Allnut and Cheryl Broderson. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl
0: Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk@cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Roderson and Jasmine Allnut.